Hey everybody, um, welcome to I Love That Lyric, uh, episode 4. I'm your host Dylan from Bedbug, and uh, today we have a great episode. Um, we're talking to Victoria Park of Victoria Vark, and uh, we talked about, among other things, the way that gender can influence the conversation around autobiographical and confessional lyricism. We talked about the magic of writing vignettes. Um, we just in general talked about process and influences and hope you enjoy it. Uh, hey everybody, welcome back uh, to I Love That Lyric. Um, I am Dylan and I am joined here by our guest. Victoria Vark. Great. And uh, Victoria Vark is, uh, is here with us uh, to chat about some lyrics and influences and uh you know whatever we end up uh chatting about so i'm really excited um i think that this is probably going to be end up being episode four um you know hopefully by now we are on apple music and maybe some of the other ones i know spotify has been tough so hold out everybody but thank you for sticking around um so let's dive into uh to question one um normally i like to start by talking about uh, influences. Um, so who do you feel like your big lyrical influences are? First things that come to mind. Oh my gosh, big lyrical influences. Um, Joni Mitchell, obviously one of the, the, the greats, um, of, you know, lyric writing. Um, I love the use of obviously there. Cause when we, I was talking to, uh, (laughs) to Brandon from Home Is Where. She was like, Bob Dylan, obviously. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's obvious. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, the obviously is so that um, the listener at home who is, you know, writing notes down is like nodding to themselves. Like, I knew that. (laughs) Yeah, I knew that one. Um, (laughs) So yeah, Joni, huge influence. I, I, I feel like when I was a teenager, I listened to a lot of the Mountain Goats, so John Darnielle, who is just like, so much of his music is so lyric-driven. Um, I'm also really inspired by my friend Izzy, whose band is Half Gringa, and I genuinely um, think they might be my favorite band. She just has a lot of lyrics that I come back to over and over again, which is weird to like have a, like a band that you were also friends with um, to just be like super fan. Um, and yeah, I I think it is surprising because it was like one of the first bands that I played with that was like a touring band. And, um, I was like, oh, does this just happen at every show? And then I realized, Oh, not always, but sometimes. No, no, it doesn't um, always. So, I, yeah. I get that, though. I, I think that I am also in that kind of a sphere where I've kind of stumbled onto uh, accidentally having pretty solid relationships with some of my uh, favorite and most inspirational artists. And I'm like, I don't really know if I deserve this in this way. I feel like uh, the way that I try to describe it as I feel like sometimes when there's people that are really big like Radiohead or like Elliot Smith fans, it's kind of just like for some reason like I've stumbled into just like being in a scene with my equivalent of like the big, big names to me. Like, I don't know, like one of my favorite lyricists we talk about a lot, uh, we've talked about a lot is uh, 
um, this band Frog. I think they're just like the best lyricist ever. Um, and then my friend Adam, who is in Me and Capri's and uh, Brave Little Abacus. I, it's, that's like, a, I just, I can't even believe that Adam's just kind of a round, normal guy and we're, we're pals. So that's, I, I feel that for sure. Yeah, it's like, it's an interesting thing to have like this person who's your friend and you're just like, yeah, so I listen to your song every time I've been driven to the hospital, like no big deal. And I have two tattoos kind of planned, like, you know, to, inspired by your work. It's just like totally normal. Like <laughs> this is a normal way to interact with your friends. <laughs> That's awesome though. That's cool. Um, anything in particular that you feel like half gringa does that you think is like like what lyrically are they doing that sticks out for you oh i think there's just i'm trying to think of i think my favorite thing about izzy's songwriting that has really stuck out to me is she really lands an opening lyric like really well and i feel like it in the way that like sets the tone for the whole song um my favorite one is from 19 well there's two that i really like there's one from the song called 1990 and the first line it's also the first song on the album um is i watch i settle on everything in sight yeah damn i was i was also i I also just pulled it i was trying to find the lyrics but it's not on the band camp i might like look it up so i can just do a little see can you repeat that as well just for our listeners yeah the the lyric is i watched ice settle on everything in sight and then 1990 was good to you and I. Uh, that's really good. I feel like that's like, I really like um, when lyricists set like a pretty evocative thing and then they ground it afterwards. And I'm, cause that's what I'm, I'm seeing here is like, uh, you know, I feel like I watched I settle on everything in sight is a very, like, it's a very visual thing. And then 1990 was, was, was good to you and I is like, sudden like suddenly that brings it in you like you you know you you it tells a whole story in two lines yeah exactly and i i love it too because it's not only the visual of like a cold winter um kind of outstretched beyond oneself but also like setting an emotional tone of like everything around me feels like cold and distant um in whatever circumstance i'm in like so it could be like literal ice or metaphorical ice um, or both, which, yeah, I just, it's, and that's just the first line. Um, that's just, just line one. Out. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other song called Tegsis, um, T-E-G-G-S-A-S, but, uh, you know, meant to be the state. Uh-huh. Um, and the first line is, um, I can see the end of everything in sight, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it says, you, you say that it used to be an open prairie. Yeah. Is the second line. That's a, yeah. I feel like uh, some of these lyrics um, are pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's also like to start in, like have a beginning of a song that you're talking about, like the end of something. I'm just like, mm-hmm. whoa, that, you know, you get to a pretty, um, yeah, heavy, or like, in, there's an immediacy, like an emotional immediacy that um, I find really compelling. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't want to dive too quickly into uh, talking about, you know, your own stuff here, but do you feel like the darkness, like, do you feel like you're you're drawn to kind of 
darker, maybe more bleaker imagery and things like that. I know for some of the songs, like they, they do feel pretty heavy um, lyrically that you've, that you've done, but just wondering about that. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's maybe also why um, like Izzy's music speaks to me in particular. Um, I feel like there's kind of like, I'm not afraid to be uncomfortably close in a song, like emotionally. Um, Yeah. And in a way yeah i think that yeah i think that's just kind of how i think about writing and um to not be afraid of that kind of stuff um especially in writing like this past album i feel like i'm having a little bit more trouble getting back to that place now since like being uh more public like thinking with an, a, a small audience in mind um but but yeah just definitely definitely in writing this first album um, so when you say that, that you're kind of, are you saying that it is it is harder to feel like you can be as vulnerable when there is a bigger crowd that you know kind of immediately here i think so i think i'm trying to get back to that place but i think there's some hesitancy um and that I'm currently sifting through. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 the only reason I phrase it in that way is because I definitely understand that. That's another thing that came up in the, uh, the Home is Where episode, um, because, uh, I, when I released my first record, it was, um, it was, like, astoundingly well-received for a Bandcamp record. It was just, like, something that came out of nowhere for, for me, um, and, uh, I felt like the writer's block that came after that first and second one, which were just so successful, um, felt really insurmountable because it it was suddenly a different ball game of like I knew people that didn't know me were going to listen to it, and that's what I had always wanted. Because like honestly, I feel like you can't tell if you're a good songwriter until someone that you have no idea and you've never met before tells you like this is a good song because your friends have to, you know. They say that they don't, but they do have to. Um, and but it it really did change it and i think um at that point i started writing a lot more kind of third person um you know storytelling that was maybe not as uh always one-to-one with my own life there was always reflections of how i was feeling or my own life but i think that i started definitely writing uh more based on observation and incorporating a lot more abstraction in it um so I, i definitely understand that yeah do you feel like you've like come out of that um since then or like what has that process been like oh my god victoria park throwing it back at me um (laughs) reverse card yeah uno reverse card you're the host now okay sounds good um i feel like lyrically i've always loved and this is something that people will know if they're listening um sometimes is that uh i've always loved songs that kind of move from these really big abstract imagery concepts of, you know, something like seasons or space or winter, or the ocean, these big things that have very descriptive qualities to those things, and then kind of tie those things into a moment or a feeling. And a lot of times that's how I've always written. And back in the day, I would say that that feeling was always very, very personal. It was always something that was exactly something that I was feeling. And I think now there's only so much that a person can really experience four albums of a lot of lyrics in. And I actually think that it has been really good for me to be able to not only draw from my own experience, but kind of like 
capture feelings of other people's experiences to, you know, maybe aggregate certain experiences. So like, you know, when I'm saying like, oh man, like something about, uh, you know, feeling nostalgic or feeling like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm leaving, I'm moving. Like, I'm not just taking in my own experience there, even though I have a lot of those feelings, I think I'm incorporating others too. So it doesn't feel quite as much of a like diary entry, but I still, I'll still think it's there. Like it's not, I'm not, you know, it's not, not getting rid of it. So, um, I honestly think it made me a better songwriter. So it was something that I, I didn't rather than kind of push back on, I like leaned into it and I think it was really good. That's awesome. Yeah. It's good to like look into the future of just like how, yeah, like the ways forward beyond like strict, I don't know, auto fiction in songwriting, which uh, I feel like is very domineering within like uh, indie rock bedroom pop spheres. Yeah. Well, I would, I would love to talk about this because I actually, I talked about this yesterday. I, I made a tweet about this. Um, and I was talking about um, confessional lyrics, and this has come up again a couple times, um, but confessional lyrics, like personal, like this is happening to me, like talking from your own experience, that's like in vogue right now. And that's a very modern type of songwriting. Um, do you feel like that type of songwriting speaks to you? Do you feel like that's something that you want to lean into, lean out of? You know, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Um... I think sometimes in reviews have stated my music to be confessional. And I think there's also a lot of conversations that have been happening the past few years about the way that like the word confessional is all has often been like kind of gendered, like for, and, you know, sure. applied to them people um, because they're just like, well, there's like, emotion just pouring out of them like you know it just like <laughs> fell from their brain onto the page and you know yeah um, dude dude musicians they just they're just emo but it's not it's not yeah. confessional when the when the emos do it in that way yeah yeah exactly so i i'm it is interesting um but i don't know i feel like i i feel like i'm not if i don't know a lot of the topics that i'm talking about it doesn't feel like something like secret or bad that I'm thinking or feeling and not something oh, yeah. that I'm like, you know, in a, if you think of like confessional booth, you know, like you're, you're <laughs> admitting to something like um, that would otherwise be hidden away. Like, I don't necessarily feel that. Like, I think part of it is that it is open. It is meant to be shared. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's interesting the way that like also, I don't know, is meant to be like, looking into someone kind of with uh as like not an invasion of privacy but maybe something like that like to so, imagine being like i know this person so much better than everyone else because i listen to their music that was a thing that we talked about when i was talking to sammy from puppy problems because uh, i've known sammy for a long time and for as long as i've known sammy to be playing music uh people have assumed a lot about sammy's life uh based on lyrics and it's uh I think the same thing has happened to me for, for a really long time. People assume that they kind of know a lot about me because of stuff I sing about. And sometimes I'm like, that's not even about me. And so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of complicated. But um, I was wondering, from, from your perspective, um, at least for this latest record, um, do you feel like you are writing most of the songs from a first-person perspective? Are they about you? Are they about your own experiences? Is it scattered? Is it, you know, a couple songs? Are none of them about you? Like, you know, where, what, what are the, what's the inspiration there? 
Yeah, I think um, the breakdown is like there are two songs on the record that are purely fictional and not from my perspective or about me or my experience, um, but like kind of metaphorical for something like an emotion I was feeling. And then mm-hmm. some of the other ones are more literal, more grounded in like um, something that I experienced. Yeah. Um, something that was true or real to me. Yeah. What was it like writing those fictional ones, those two fictional ones? It felt, um, it felt really, really nice to be able to be like, oh, here's this like idea I have and like, this is how I feel about it and get some distance from it. Um, and I, I hope that it is like territory I can keep exploring in music. Um, yeah, yeah, I I had a lot of fun with those for sure. Yeah. Um, but it is funny, like, so one of those songs is Twin, um, and I'm an only child, but, you know, there are some people who have been like, oh, it's about her, her real life twin. I'm just like, <laughs> that is factually incorrect. <laughs> um, I was going to ask about Twin because of the uh, Jeff and Cyrus lyric, and you've already mentioned Mountain Goats. And so I was going to, you know, I wanted to ask more about the, uh, something that I, I noticed in some of your, your writing, um, again, don't want to be presumptuous or, you know, think about, you know, you're the one who knows your songwriting, my interpretation, you've got a lot of really cool little, there's a word for it. I don't remember what the word is, but just like little stories. They're almost just like little snapshots almost, or like little portraits of a story of a moment of something that, that's that's how I interpreted them when I was reading them, and that's super mountain goats to me. Like that's that's what he does, and so I'm wondering is that is that the influence there? Yeah, that definitely resonates um, with I think how I think about lyric writing. Um, I almost titled a song vignettes, which is like very. That's much... the word. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and like even the the album work, like if on the vinyl insert, it's like a collage of um, different film photos from my life. So it, to literally, you know, have vignettes, um, it it feels yeah very resonant with um, my writing, and I think that's definitely Mountain Goats inspired. Um, the other, I guess, like two little extra uh i don't know if it's a joke or it's it's just like tongue-in-cheek but why i reference that particular song um is a it's the first track on all hail west texas just like twins they're both first tracks and then in um the song is like an acoustic song about a death metal band and then this song is like quiet indie ambient song about a punk rock band so that's the yeah. other like deep i love story. that i love the i love the thought put into that that's that's a blast i don't even know if i would have picked up on either of those um uh but that is that is really good do you have do you have any other artists that you feel like do vignettes in that way that you feel like is are really like um any sort of influence or something that you that you know you look up to as a as a songwriter yeah, um, let's see. I mean, I'm a big Evie Bridgers fan as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's, like, some songs that she just, like, gets out a, a detail that um, can really stick with you. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I love, I'm trying to think of which song I feel like 
Um, oh, I love Graceland too on um, Punisher, and also the the title track on Punisher too. Um, when she's like talking about the storybook titles and the stucco, and if you if your favorite things dynamics are stucco, like something kind of specific, but in general, um, yeah. Can you can you give me the like? I'm I'm gonna look at it, Graceland too, and the title track of Punisher. My Phoebe Bridgers experience, again, embarrassing, is a uh, Kyoto and that other one, uh, Motion Sickness, and that's like my whole Phoebe Bridgers experience. Like that's all I know of her. Um, occasionally, I'd obviously hear it, overhear it, and uh, you know, I thought like I don't know if I need to get into this right now. Like there's a, a million bands on my list of like things to really dive into, um, but. I feel like the way that you're saying it, it sounds like a deeper listen is kind of the way to go because like, you know, paying attention to those little details can really resonate. So would those be good places to start? Um, I think, I think Graceland 2 is probably my favorite TV Bridger song ever. So great. would highly recommend that one. Um, there's like one line that's like, um, ate a sleeve of saltines on your floor and I knew um, I would do anything. Um, you wanted me to or something like that is the line after but the like I don't know something it's like you can something about that specificity of like you can like craft a yeah a little image in your mind I um the two the two things that come to mind and uh I think that they're both again frequent flyer uh bands that I talk about a lot on here um is uh the first Waxahachie album um, does that a lot, uh, American Weekend, with a lot of little details. Um, I also think that, you know, something I was saying uh, earlier is that I think that she kind of does that, like, um, I almost, yeah, like, I don't know. It's like, it's definitely personal. It's definitely autobiograph- autobiographical songwriting um, in a way that I think is very multidimensional. And I think a lot of times, a lot of the autobiographical songwriting uh, kind of across genre, across songwriter, across gender, can kind of fall flat a little bit if people are pretty one-dimensional about it. Because sometimes it's just like, I'm sad because X, I'm mad because X, and that can be the song. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes, like, those simple feelings are very powerful. But I think, you know, something that she does in that is she throws a lot of little details in uh, in that record that really add a lot of um, dimension. Uh, I think that in the song Bathtub, she says something like, um, I tell you not to love me, but I still kiss you when I want to. And I think that like, it kind of, there's a, le- there's a level of depth and self-awareness to that, that I really appreciate. And I really like, and I, I feel like I don't hear it very often. Um, and then advanced bass, uh, you know, Owen Ashworth of advanced bass and Cassiotone. I feel like he's like an expert at throwing in just a little detail. Like, you know, I can never finish the crosswords on my own. So I stopped doing them. And it's like, that tells a story of he used to do the crosswords with someone probably very domestic like it tells a whole story and it's very sad in some way so um that's what the saltines one reminds me of a little bit yeah oh my gosh i love advanced space slash cassio tone um yeah also one of those like lyricists that yeah i think you've pointed it out just like you really can craft a whole narrative and so many of his songs are fictional um too which is like really when you like think about how touching they are like how much i've cried to them it's just like whoa yeah Yeah. so i think that's also like a really cool um example of like i don't know 
feeling both emotionally connected, even if it is not a personal experience. Um, I really love Tom Berlin's cover of Natural Light. Um, yeah, you've mentioned that before. It really, yeah, it, I think I replied it to one of your tweets about advanced space. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it just really brings out the, the lyrics in that. That that song that song has all sorts of those little details that really kill me. Like you know, now you're going by joy. Like it really tells like they have a history. That's like a change. Like you know, uh, or like you know, obviously the most devastating line is like, "What if we had the kid? I guess he'd be 15." Is like crazy to I just I don't know. Like it gives me chills when I hear it. So, yeah. um, kind of I a master of vignettes. Yeah, I really love that going by joy name too because it's like it it's also one of those like it could be um very literal like you're going by like your middle name now or like you changed what people call you um but also kind of yeah like the emotional like um turning your life around and being much happier and i love the ambiguity i could i could talk about his uh his storytelling forever he's like one of my favorite lyricists um he is uh, my 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 goal guest for this this particular podcast because I would just love to like pick his brain about his process. Um, I'm sure and I that think, could, yeah. I uh, I would like to use that as a transition into process talk. So, um, something that has been fun about this podcast is learning that pretty much everybody that I've spoken to has a completely different process for how they write songs, and they just think that that's the way that everyone does it. And so I'm wondering. When you sit down to write lyrics, like, and you're writing a song, like, how do lyrics fit into the writing process? Do they come at the beginning? Do they come at the end? Is it as you go? What does it look like for you? Yeah, I, for a lot of this record, it was, like, writing lyrics almost to completion on one end and writing bass parts on the other and just, like, kind of puzzle piecing, you know, figuring out which ones would go with what or if I could find a melody over it. Um, I think with lyric writing specifically, I can crank out a verse like so quickly and then I just like get so antsy when there's a chorus that comes around. I'm just like, mm, I don't know, that seems like a lot of commitment. Um, but I can just like kind of meander in this like verse zone. It doesn't have to like resolve or like have a really uh, complete, you know, kind of fleshed out thing. So I'm just like, what if I write like four uh, different sets of verses for songs that will never be done. <laughs> there you go. I mean, as someone who's, uh, I don't know if I've ever written a, a real chorus in my life, as you can call it that, um, I think it's fine. It's fine just to have verse songs. They're great. Yeah. Verses are great. Um, yeah. Especially if choruses don't like repeat or something. Sometimes you just throw something in and just treat it like a verse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really low commitment. Um, I have a line in a new song that I wrote that I've been playing live uh, that says every verse becomes a chorus with each subsequent performance. <laughs> and I think there you that, go. Yeah. <laughs> that's an awesome That's an awesome verse, actually. That's an awesome line. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you feel like you write them generally around the same time. Do you feel like you start with... Um, you know, thinking melody in mind, or do you have a melody already picked out when you're writing the lyrics and you're writing it to like a melody in your head? Do you write the lyrics out and then try to figure out a melody that fits? Like where does melody play into lyrics? Yeah, it's often writing lyrics first and then finding a melody. Um, and then another consequence of that is 
sometimes I will be so stubborn in being like, well, even though the syllables are a little bit wrong, I can't, I can't change the words. Um, so then I just change all the meter around it to make sure I can get all the verses I like, which is how my songs end up having like a lot of weird time signature changes that don't sound like are happening. That's awesome. That's so cool. That reminds me, uh, obviously you're doing it in a more conscious way, I am sure. Uh, but uh, Chief Keef does a thing that I think is very funny, uh, where he will say all of the lines in the verse uh, or the line, and then he won't be able to fit the full sentence in. So he just says the rest of it really fast. And it's not to any time signature at the way end of every line. And it's awesome. That's awesome. I feel like I should listen to more Chief Keef because that's like, that resonates super hard. <laughs> Chief Keef's a blast. I don't, I don't think I endorse Chief Keef on the podcast. I'll say that. But I do like Chief Keef's music. <laughs> um, okay, so um, the, the, the melody fits the, the lyrics and you just have that, that, that meter in your head. And then does the, the, do the bass parts then lay on top of that? And they're just separate bass parts that you just kind of write on your own? Kind of, yeah, so they're usually separate bass parts I write on my own. And once I have like a set of lyrics that I and a bass part that I think kind of like could go together, um, I'll start like trying to sing a melody, um, just like sing the, the lyrics over the bass part in kind of a way that like feels somewhat natural or like fits the, yeah, I, I feel like I usually have not written with like a melody um in mind or it's like the bass parts will provide like harmonic structures for a melody to like happen over it got it okay Um, that makes sense um yeah i uh i think for for me what i what i would tend to do is i will just like when i'm sitting and i get like a a burst of some sort of inspiration i'll just write a ton of stuff just kind of like free form onto a notes app and then that'll be the the structure of just maybe many songs sometimes just long winded thoughts and things like that and then i'll have a bunch of guitar parts that i have saved on my voice memos and i'll like think of some vocal melodies over them and then i will piece together the lyrics i'll edit the lyrics to fit those vocal melodies over the guitar but like i'll have a finished song with no lyrics on it and then just throw some lyrics i'll like i'll like figure it out at the end i actually for this latest record and for my second record um I think that I had all of the songs done before I had any lyrics on any of them. Um, I just put them all on after. There's like one or two exceptions, um, but it's, well, I can't yeah. change it. It's my process. I wish I, you know, I don't know. I wish it made more sense yeah. to me. Um, yeah. But, oh my gosh. I, yeah, I, I am trying to write more like that. I feel like it's, um, or like trying different ways of writing. Um, which can be really fun and challenging, even if, yeah, it's not something you're used to. Um, I am realizing, so for Out, that was the one song on the record that I wrote differently. And I wrote the, like, bass parts, the structure, like, the dynamics in my head. And then I was just mm-hmm. like, uh, cool, I'm just going to write some verses now. <laughs> like, I'm, and just, like, um, and so that was the one song I had where I think lyrics came last and were like the least central portion of that mm-hmm. of that like writing the song um Got it. but yeah i am so curious as to like other 
ways of, of writing or different like approaches um, just to like, it, I feel like it's good practice if nothing else. Yeah. Um, I think a, a, a final, final little observation um, that I, that I've made is that um, I think in like a song like good for um, you used questions, which I think is a really interesting lyrical choice. I don't, I, I think that, kind of an underutilized lyrical decision. So what were you thinking when you put the questions in? It was just a natural thing? Was it, you know, something that had a deeper meaning to you? Yeah. Um, I feel like it was, it's like the internal monologue of like questions you're asking yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I guess since it's a song, you're saying them out loud. Um, yeah, I feel like that song in particular is like kind of pointed at a particular at two particular people so um, it's an it's an internal external monologue yeah exactly (laughs) um you know it's it's an aside or whatever the i don't know shakespearean terminology (laughs) um so so on that on that latest record um if you know people are trying to listen and they're trying to listen for the lyrics which lyrics do you feel like you're like most proud of like you feel like maybe not even on the latest record, just like in general, like when you think about like, oh, I really, I really would love for people to pay attention to the lyrics of this one, not just the composition or anything like that. Like what, what songs come to mind? Um, I would definitely point them to Demarest. I feel like um, lyrically, I'm just like, this is, this is my song. (laughs) Um, This is the best I can do. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I just, I feel really proud of that one um, lyrically. And I'm trying to think of which other ones I would point to. Um, I personally yeah, like maybe, Twin. I think Twin is good. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Twin for the the vignettes and the story. Um, and maybe Friend Song because that is. Uh, Rob Sheffield at Rolling Stone's favorite Victoria Bart song. So, <laughs> I also like Friend Song. Friend Song. Do you uh, do you ever listen to the band Dismemberment Plan? Because uh, Dismemberment Plan, um, they have a song called the two songs. The one called The City and another one called Back and Forth. Back and Forth is the last song on the record. And the fact that you ended Friend Song is uh, with like the mystery stars will spell spell your name wherever you are. Really reminded me of Back and Forth lyrics, which is like my favorite lyrical moment where it's it's just like this crazy vignette about like a crazy night out with this friend and then he ends the vignette with uh uh like you'll always be my hero even if i never see you again and that like it really it really those pieces uh went together exactly and it like it really it really brought that up for me so i i love the lyrics of that one thank you and that's that's an awesome lyric and an awesome way to like end thing yeah it's a great Um, song if people want a crazy vignette that like ends in a really really grounded way and like catches you completely off guard because the rest of the song is just about a wild night that they had um is it's awesome back and forth dismemberment plan that's awesome moving on a little bit um is there anything else about your own stuff that you feel like you really want to you really want to share that you that you think that we didn't cover yet oh anything else um no, I think that that touches on on most of it. Um, I guess I'll share one quick fact about Demarest. So nice. Uh, structurally, I did 
I was inspired by uh, Joni Mitchell's Both Sides Now, um, which it's like it in it's like it breaches like three different kind of topics, but each chorus, which is same but like modified, um, to talk about first clouds. You know, you see clouds from both sides now. Then you see mm-hmm. love from both sides now. Then you see life from both sides now. And then it's like kind of similar with like mm, there's more to be than like in Damarest, which is like small town New Jersey, like talking about moving. Then it's talking about like a relationship with a person. Um, and then it's talking about like life beyond one's own mind. And so, yeah, that, that is uh, the, the structural reference to I love that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that with that in mind um, because um, I feel like when when someone like succeeds to do like what they intended to do, it like it really pulls it together. So um, I yeah, that's that's a great that's a great little fact to end on in that way. Um, and then I think what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna end on a little a little small segment that I I like to end on, uh, which is lyrical pet peeves, um, and you know. We don't have a huge audience with this podcast. If you got a pet peeve, I would say maybe don't say exactly the band, but like say like, you know, what what types of things really like get you? I think for me, uh, my example of it is when bands talk about social media a lot, uh, I just think it ages itself in a way that I don't like immediately. So whatever comes to mind for like kind of a pet peeve, you're like that type of lyricism is not for me. Um... uh very objectifying lyrics like I don't know there's just like some ways that like a cis male songwriter like writes about women or like like writes in a way that they think that their experience is like a general experience for everybody in a way like I I don't know how to describe it better than that where it's just like uh self-aggrandizing and I'm like oh my god this is so annoying like (laughs) I think um, I do know what you ta- you're talking about because I think like you know obviously like you know it's easy to be like my pet peeve is racism like I hate it when a lyric is racist and it's like yeah like duh but like I think that the objectifying thing especially for like the genres that I feel like we kind of work within um, a lot of it is that perspective it's the perspective I feel like um, it makes me it's it's almost like it's very whiny and it makes themselves seem like the center of the universe in a, in a very particular yeah. way yeah um, or there'll be like everyone is blah 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 like assuming like everyone knows this thing about you and it's like yeah I, what <laughs> like i don't know if that's something like i would ever put pen to like paper and like say it like do you have any do you have any like bigger examples from like a band that like we won't hurt their feelings because they're kind of like a bigger but like when for me it comes to mind is like i think like as much as i used to like this because i was in high school um I think the first modern baseball record really has not aged well in that regard. I think it's actually pretty bad. Like it, honestly, I can't listen to it anymore for that reason. Uh, sorry, Mobo heads, but um, that's, that's my example of that kind of thing. That's like the first one that came to mind. Yeah. Um, I used to be like red house painters, Mark Kozilek. Oh my God. In high school, but like you read some of those lyrics and it's like, Oh my God, stop talking about this. Like there's a song Michigan that I used to like. And then, then you like, and he's like, I see through your cotton dress. It was like, oh my what God. are you talking about, dude? Like, Kozlek's such a prick. 
I know. Yeah. It's just like, of course that guy was bad. Like, did you not read? Like, did you, you see the dogs? And it's like, you... why is he writing? <laughs> did you follow the war on drugs debacle? No. Do you remember that? Um, I like vaguely now that you're saying it, but I don't remember. This will like, be this will be a fun aside for the podcast for for the folks at home. So, um, describing Red House pa- Painters um, and Mark Kozalek, uh, he was kind of like in the '90s, kind of slow core, uh, like indie rock phase. Um, and some of the stuff is like pretty beautiful instrumentally and his voice like really lays on top of it really nicely. Uh, so it's kind of easy to like see past, uh, some of the negatives that we're bringing up here. Uh, at least, you know, I didn't really think about it very much until I really paid attention. Um, but when he, uh, made a solo record, um, there was some really wild drama with the band, The War on Drugs, and he ended up writing something like an eight minute song or something, uh, that was like the war on drugs can suck my and that is like there's more to it that i will not go into but the song is deranged it's insane and uh you can find it on youtube i'm sure i am not going to say any of the lyrics here but it was one of the wildest meltdowns i've ever seen yeah Yeah. this is like coming back to me and i was like right (laughs) yeah that was a strange moment for sure what was what's his what's his band's name that's not um it's not just Mark Kozlik. Sunkill Moon, that's the one. Thank you. Yeah. Um let me see if I can find the lyrics to this. Yeah. I just I don't even like, look at it. Because like some songs are really like Carissa is so beautiful and Dogs is like one of the most heinous pieces of like music. <laughs> um I I remember I used to listen to Katie's song a lot and I had the roller coaster album on my iPod Nano. They're really, it's pretty beautiful sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Katie's song. Yeah, there's a certain kind of yearning uh, one feels when you listen to Katie's song by um, Red House Painters. He's just such like a jerk. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Yeah, he like, he says like, we were playing a show down in Chapel Hill to a bunch of drunk hillbillies smelled like swill all you rednecks shut the fuck up and he repeats that like eight times in a row (laughs) oh my god he says someone got offended and wrote a piece of crap some spoiled rich kid blogger brat (laughs) like damn (laughs) he was very like anti-woke in the moment and it was very funny um, to observe so um, okay, so those are some solid pet yeah. peeves. Any any other pet peeve that's coming to mind now that we've sitting on it for a little bit? Any other pet peeves? Ooh. What don't I like? And yeah, I think I think those are those are some heavy hitters for pet peeves. <laughs> it's it's you know sometimes it's nice to be kind of open minded and be like, well, I'm sure that like some sometimes a song, you know, that does something stylistically different is is fine like i i think i have too many pet peeves so it's probably you know object objectification is probably a really safe pet peeve (laughs) yeah yeah um i'm also gonna like leah michelle image of just like you know i don't read whatever like that new one is but (laughs) yeah i don't see it if i if the song is good i'll just look past it i'm illiterate Um, like you don't read yeah i don't know (laughs) 
I definitely didn't read the Kodak Black Wikipedia page. I still listen to Kodak Black because I never read the Wikipedia page, so I can't read it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I think that that is all, unless there's anything else that you uh, you want to bring up before we go. No, I think that's everything. Where can people find you? What are you? Do- what do you have coming up in the next couple weeks? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am going to be on tour with Sweet Pill and Law Dispute until the end of October everywhere. So you can find me uh, there at those venues <laughs> on those specific days. And you can also find me digitally at Pictoria Vark on all platforms and pictoriavark.bandcamp.com. Great. Okay, cool. I am hoping that this goes up soon-ish. I have two other episodes to release, and I've been doing it like kind of once a week basis. So you may be in the thick of tour at the moment on this. That's However, all right, yeah. You know what? Pictoria Vark is going to be on tour again. <laughs> It'll happen, I'm sure. Manifesting. <laughs> Manifesting. So. It'll happen. And next time, uh, Law Dispute will be opening for them. So... <laughs> I'm like, in my head, I'm going into this being like, the last tour of my fucking life like my career's <laughs> over i don't know what's happening like <laughs> this is as big as it's gonna get kid thank you <laughs>